0: shortage of good eats in Bloomington. The downtown area alone boasts more than 100 restaurants. From wood-fired pizzas to authentic international dishes, trendy cocktails, and mouth-watering sweet treats, Bloomington is a foodie's delight. Today we're broadcasting live from Social Cantina on the Square. We'll be talking to various business owners and Bloomington representatives about what makes the Bloomington food scene unique and how it's changing. You can send us your questions on Twitter, at Noon Edition, or follow our Facebook live feed. You can also join us at Social Cantina and be part of the live audience. We'll be right back after this hour's news.
1: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.
0: From the social cantina downtown Bloomington, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host, Sarah Whitmire, and today we're doing a special show where we're talking about Bloomington's local restaurants and the Bloomington food culture. We've got business owners and Bloomington experts here to share their thoughts, including our, our first guest who's sitting here, Ron Stanhouse, the owner of Crazy Horse and the president of the Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association. We'll also be joined during the hour by Chris Martin, director of Finney Hospitality. Erica Yocum, the former co-owner of Feast and former owner of Una. Laura Noel, who is the co-owner of Crumble Bakery. Richie Shields, the owner of Hinkle's Hamburgers. And Mike McAfee, the executive director of Visit Bloomington. You can follow us on Twitter, at noon Edition, or you can watch the, f- the show live from our Facebook page. Uh, on Facebook Live, WFiu News. You can send questions at WFiu News at Indiana.edu. You can email uh, that's news at IndianaPublicMedia.org. Excuse me. And you can also ask us questions here. There are cards that are around the room. If you want to send questions up to the front, so welcome everybody. Thanks for coming down to Social Cantina. And Sarah, good to see you. You too, Ron. Thanks for being here with us today. So we're going to start with you and talk about uh, Bira in general and also Crazy Horse I mean what's the what's the the purpose of Bira well Bira
2: Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association was formed probably nearly 30 years ago to give restaurant owners particularly the independent restaurants over franchise chain restaurants a voice a way to
0: collectively discuss and and identify issues and solutions Mm -hmm. so Talk about um, you know some of the things that you, you do. I mean, do you meet regularly and talk about what, what's best for independent restaurants?
2: Well, for let's say the first 20 years, we only met in times of need or urgency, crisis, um, bigger issues. And then maybe uh, we'll say 10 years ago, we kicked it up. And we wanted to be more active um, and try to bring in the 4th Street restaurant people. and and make a larger collective group. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of effort, and it was a lot of work, and let's just say independent restaurant operators don't always respond, they don't have time, they aren't quite as organized. Yeah. And so, in the last two years, the Bira board decided that it should probably step down a notch. So we've kind of gone back to the uh, lower key, a presence without being active
0: well you know along those lines i have to say and the the audience might be interested we invite a lot of restaurant people here and we we have a great group here with us several people said you know it's the time of day i just can't get away exactly (laughs) right right. yeah so what about uh you know you've you've been with crazy horse for how many years over 30 over 30. so what's what's the key to to a independent restaurant being able to succeed in town well you could probably talk to my
2: wife and get that answer but it's you know putting your restaurant ahead of your family and you know it it really becomes the primary source of your time and effort yeah
3: Yeah.
4: i'm curious as somebody who's been here for 30 years and is the head of bira this mix of restaurants in bloomington how did bloomington really become this food destination has it been this way for 30 years
2: it's always been dominated by the locals i believe and maybe you ask Bob you may go back farther than I do, but you know I came as a student in 77 and, and what an interesting place right And the restaurant scene's always been that way. It's certainly grown as the population grows and was, I know Mike will be here later to talk about tourism but you know as the number of tourists come grows the number of restaurants and we have that extra facet of an economy to help support, that diversity of restaurants.
0: Yeah, I, I came in 1976, so okay, just ahead of we're you. We're both so. young. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I could probably mention a few ways that I think things have changed, but I'm not going to do the talking today. You okay. are. So okay. how do you think things have changed in, you know, in your time here? I mean, are there more of certain kinds of restaurants and less of other kinds of restaurants? Well, certainly Bloomington's unique in that we're not dominated by the franchise
2: chain. And is a very healthy, independent restaurant community here, and I don't know if that might be partly due to the tourism, and people want a unique experience. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're not going to get that out on the highway generally. Right.
4: How I, do food trucks fit into all of that?
2: That's a great question, and I don't know the food truck business. I, I you know, I I like going. I'm a customer, but I don't I don't understand it and i would rather sit in a restaurant than than to stand outside you know with a taco in well hand. i think
4: so so one thing i think um it takes a lot of capital to start a new restaurant and that's something that we have seen here in bloomington is that these food trucks then end up developing these brick and mortar stores it seems like maybe a new business model that maybe wasn't maybe, around when you yeah started. does
2: it go from brick and mortar to food truck or does it go from food truck to brick and mortar
0: or both mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so uh, what can you tell us about you know, running an independent restaurant that people might not know?
2: Probably what you do know is consistency is your priority always. And it's hard to get you know, 10 servers to all do the same thing. And if you've got four managers, you know, they all have their own opinions and ideas. and you know, What as an owner are you willing to let go of for consistency's sake? And then what absolutely has to be consistent? Right.
0: You know, there are lots of different kinds of restaurants. We have several different kinds uh, on the panel today, but um, some of them sell alcohol, some of them don't. And the whole issue of alcohol sales and getting a a liquor license in town, can you give us like a 30-second tutorial on that? I mean, how important is that to a restaurant and how costly is it to a restaurant? I don't know how important it is. Maybe the first thing that goes through my head,
2: though, you could see it with Mitch Daniels as governor, and he was slowly, steadily increasing the number of liquor permits in this state. And, and it is a license to print money for, at the state level, and certainly in a community here where uh, you know if you wanted spirits, it's going to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars just a, for the license for a permit. And so they auction those. I, I've participated in at least three different decades of auctions, and. Um, and that's, the state has figured out that that's a good way to make money.
0: Yeah, well it sort of depends on who your audience is, right? Right. And who you're trying to attract into your-, into your But building. so
2: there's more and more permits in this community, every community. And it's, it's it could slowly gain, certainly other states. I know Arizona from when we were, were starting out, it was, do we want to open in you know Tempe at Arizona State or do we want to come back to Bloomington and IU? But uh, anybody can get a permit. Many states have
0: a format like that. There's no limit, no pro rata. I one last question, I think, for you that, that might seem like it's a very simple question, but what, what makes an independent restaurant? I mean, so there might be – I know we've gone through the debate in Bloomington about, you know, what's a, a, a chain store or, you know, how, what? so what makes an independent restaurant?
2: Well, remember we had a big discussion at the city level for – should chains be allowed in the downtown? And you know, they basically said two. Right? That if there was more than one, you were somewhat a chain. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the uh, right answer is, but I know how the city answered it.
0: Okay. Well, we are. Uh, we've, we're out of time for you, Ron. Oh wow! So oh, quick. I know <laughs> it's very quick. Yeah. Any any last comment you want to make? No, I, th- I think that's great. You all right. Say, well, thanks Thank for all you. the work you do. Hi. Thank you. All right. That was Ron Stanhouse, the owner of Crazy Horse, and uh, he's uh, involved, uh, president of Bira. Or? So now we're going to go to our second guest of the day, and he's a, a host today. So Chris Martin is here. He's the director of Finney Hospitality, which owns this restaurant.
4: Yes, so. and Social Cantina, Smokeworks, the Tap, the Tap, and Yogi's.
0: And
5: Yogi's Bar and Grill is reopening. The big soon. news in Bloomington these last few weeks. <laughs> so no pressure.
0: No pressure.
4: A lot of people are excited about that one coming back. Yep. So,
0: so are we. So Chris, with the tap, I'm, can you go back to the history of the tap? Because it sort of opened with a couple of young people wanting to create a new business, right?
5: Yeah. So Nathan Finney, who owns our organization, uh, grew up south of Bloomington and uh, had had been in Indiana a long time, but had moved down to Florida. And uh, had seen the differences in the craft beer industry, both here in central Indiana as well as in Florida, and had the great idea to come back to Bloomington and start a craft beer bar uh, originally serving no food. We didn't brew beer originally. And uh, it really resonated with folks and have uh, sold a lot, a lot of craft beer uh, over the years. and then. You know, started allowing uh, food to be delivered into the restaurant and figured out that, hey, that really seemed to make people stay longer. And so Nathan uh, created a kitchen in the basement, which is barely the size of this room we're in right now. And uh, really has, you know, we've created a very loyal following from the food side of things down down the block at the tap. And then about a year later, started brewing our own beer, which just complemented, you know, the the whole thing that, that happens down on that corner of Kirkwood and College. So...
0: And then you've expanded, so a little we're in the number two restaurant here, right?
5: Well, this is actually number three, number so three. the number two restaurant was a second tap uh, in Indianapolis at the corner of Delaware and New York, just right off of Mass Avenue, which is uh, a great location and uh, does very well, and it was, it was the second. But our, our second location in Bloomington, yeah, was Social Cantina,
0: just a little over a year old and uh, modern Mexican fare. And how do you decide um, that there's a niche in a community? I mean, what did what, your marketing show you?
5: yeah I mean I can't for sure speak to what uh spurred Nathan to do this specific concept, but you know the two of us both love Bloomington but also love going to Nashville and Chicago and Tampa and Fort Lauderdale Miami and all these other cities where you where you see really cool things and uh, and there this was a gap in Bloomington there was a, certainly a lot of Mexican restaurants but but not this modern uh you know taco tequila bar and uh you know and it's been more than warmly welcomed for sure this is a very successful restaurant in our portfolio
4: you mentioned some of the places that some of the cities you and nathan like and i know with smoke works spent a lot of time in tennessee even tasting a lot of barbecue
5: i've eaten a lot of barbecue
4: (laughs) (laughs) well can you talk about what goes into developing the menus and really when you come into each place even Just the way they're decorated, you know what you're walking into.
5: Yeah, I mean, a lot of work, and a lot of work way before, you know, the guest ever walks in the front door. A a ton of work goes on in the research and development of engaging designers to figure out what the restaurant should look like, how they should be laid out, but even more so, you know, what food are we going to serve? What are the recipes? Uh, You know, at Social Cantina, we're lucky enough to have some people on our staff who, you know, helped us create a lot of what's here and, a lot of the features and soups and things like that are, are made from scratch. Literally everything in this restaurant is made from scratch, which is really, really cool. And then at Works, you know, it's this combination of, you know, the style of barbecue, which is Memphis dry rub, so it doesn't come wet with barbecue sauce. It's, it, you can get barbecue sauce, but it, that's not how it's cooked, and it's a very slow, tedious, hard process. But a lot of the side dishes, a lot of the other things on the menu are Family recipes that Nathan grew up, you know, eating at family reunions and on his mom's kitchen table. So, really near and dear to to, to him, and and I think when people uh, experience Smoke Works, it resonates that it's a really cool
0: uh, type of food, and the food, you know, we spend a lot of time, a lot of care going into that food. So, Chris, when you uh, when you add Yogi's, it's going to be your fourth downtown restaurant. So, what's appealing to you about putting restaurants in downtown Bloomington? Uh, I mean, downtown, uh, it's a very vibrant,
5: you know, uh, place. If if you're in one of our restaurants, from my perspective, just about every day, just the, the diverse group of people walking up and down College and Kirkwood and Walnut is really amazing. And, you know, the fact that we have so many choices, you can go to 4th Street you can go up and down Kirkwood, obviously stay on the square, and there's just a lot of opportunity for you to eat something different every day of the month, not just the week. So um you know on on this block when i'm in town i walk three or four miles a day just on college on one square block uh which will put it in perspective so it's it's easier i'll I'll tell you that when yogis comes it'll be more like five miles a day of, of walking so that'll be a little bit tough but you know it's location we we think this is a great destination spot and we'd rather be here than east side west side nothing against east west side but we think downtown has a lot better natural culture and, and vibrancy.
4: So we got a question from one of the folks here in the audience wondering about, will the new Yogi's menu be similar to the original?
5: Yeah, very similar. And I think the specific question here was many dogs. And yes, many dogs <laughs> will definitely be uh, on the menu. We've we've already spent a lot of time, especially on social media, trying to get as much feedback as, as possible and doing as much research as possible to make sure that Yogi's 2.0 um,
0: has a lot of, of what people remembered in the previous Yogi's, for sure. Okay. So when you uh, when you think about you know Yogi's, it's got a lot of tradition, and there are probably a lot of people that are going to go back there that used to go to the old Yogi's. With your three restaurants on this street, do you have people that you know frequent um, all three, or do you have like regulars at each individual restaurant? Can you tell the crowds at the different restaurants?
5: Yeah. It- it's a little bit of both i mean certainly you know the tap's been around long enough that there's a very uh strong group of of regulars that that use that restaurant at different times yeah it's it's not uncommon for me to see someone put their name on the weight at social cantina and then go down to the tap and get a beer and watch a game before we text them and tell them hey their table's ready here so that's that's actually the fun part for me is i do see people uh in our different restaurants different days of the week and and certainly appreciate the fact that you know they come to all of our restaurants not just their favorite or, or one of their favorites
4: another question yep. will yogis continue with dingus day
5: yeah i, f- I actually forgot i I have a countdown, so I didn't know how many days it was to Dingus Day. But, yes, we
0: will absolutely have Dingus Day. So you've you've got three restaurants. You're going to have a fourth. What are the biggest challenges to running a restaurant in downtown Bloomington? I I don't think it's – well, there are some unique challenges to downtown Bloomington uh,
5: that are inherent with any downtown older location. So, you know, the building we sit in today, while the space is amazing, this is an old building. You know it was a department store on the square for a really long time and as 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 is the building where the tap uh is the yogi's building's brand new compared to these two buildings yogi's building's 19 years old 20 years old so we're excited about the fact that that building's actually young compared to the two buildings we're in today uh so that the age of the buildings the age of the streets you know we had a water main break in our front front door a couple months ago um uh, you know the the alley which services everything we do from a support standpoint is a pretty interesting alley because it supports about thirty businesses uh, right behind this building, which is pretty chaotic. And I'm sure everybody sees. You know, there's there's trucks stopped on the streets all the time making deliveries and everything like that. Besides that, it's people. You know, you're going to hear it from everybody probably today that people is the is the thing that drives this business, whether it's the guests or it's the team members that we have. Mm-hmm. So.
4: I'm curious about the downtown parking. How much of an effect does that have on, because all your businesses are right around the square. Uh,
5: yeah, I mean, parking is what it is. If, if you're gonna make a choice to be in a, a, a place like downtown Bloomington, you, know, you, you accept what parking is. And I will tell you personally, uh, you know, parking is really not that bad if you're willing to walk a little bit. If you wanna park right in front of a restaurant or right in front of a store in downtown, you're going to struggle for sure, but yeah, you know, there's some great tree-lined streets and great places to park your car and walk and see some stuff every day. Um, you know, Yogi's would be a little bit different because we have a parking garage on top of us, which will help a lot. But I don't think parking is a is an inherent issue in downtown. I certainly think parking could enable downtown better, um, but not to, not to really get into that. Uh, um, but I certainly think. Parking is, in of itself, not a problem,
0: but parking certainly could be a lot better. Yeah, we've done shows on parking. That's yeah, right. I'm sure we you don't do that today. I'm sure you have. Ask Chris, me back. That's another, another show. Opinion. Chris <laughs> Martin is the director of Finney Hospitality, and he's uh, our host here today. Thanks, Thanks for a lot, Chris. Hosting us. Thanks for having us. We right. should have said
4: it's National Taco, it National Taco Day. It is
0: National Taco Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That coincidence. Right. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you. All right. We're going to be joined next by Erica Yochum, who is former co-owner of Feast and the former owner of Una. So, Erica, I want, to first, I want to start out by just thanking you for what you've done for the Bloomington restaurant scene. Feast was a, a great concept, mm-hmm. and it, you, uh, you went into one of those neighborhoods that the city was hoping that it could sort of revitalize. So what was behind, you know, when you started Feast, what was behind that?
6: Well, I was selling tamales at the farmer's market. Oh. and getting quite a following and I was meeting people in the parking lot of Blooming Foods in the winter to give them their tamales when the market wasn't um, going. And I was also cooking out of a commercial kitchen in my home. And both of those things kind of were the, uh, the driving force in finding a brick and mortar location that could house a small staff and tamale production and maybe do a little bit of catering. So that was like the initial intention of the space. And then, since we were there, we were like, "Well, we should just have coffee. So when people come, they can have coffee. And then we should have soup. And then let's start doing dinner. And then ten employees went to fifty, and yeah, it's kind of a natural evolution." Yeah, and and can you talk about that
0: that location? So it's it's uh, for those who might not know, it's over by Fairview School. It's in a Templeton. By Templeton School. I'm sorry, it's in uh, you know an area the south of town. And so it's, it's not in downtown, but it's in it's in a neighborhood setting. So yeah. did that present as challenges, opportunities?
6: I think more opportunities. Actually, I think the neighborhood really was ready for something like that to be in the area, a place to walk to to get their coffee, and um, it became kind of a center place for the neighborhood. And I think people that were frustrated with maybe finding a parking spot downtown were like, it was easy. Mm-hmm. It was it was an easy location to. To get a spot and get out of town.
4: Yeah. It seemed like there's always a line wrapped around the steps. Every time I would go, it'd be a huge wait. So,
0: yeah. so what went into the change? You changed to Una.
6: I changed to Una. Um, my sister and I, like you uh, said earlier, were owners of both locations. Mm. And in the new year, we decided to kind of separate so that she could really focus on the wine uh, aspect and grow the cellar. Something that she's done a beautiful job at. And it was kind of my opportunity to do something that um, was a reflection of where I was with my cooking. And UNO was a reflection of of what I've kind of changed and evolved to using more local and seasonal things, really supporting not just local food and farmers, which I had grown that um, through the farmer's market. All my vendors and purveyors were, you know, grown through that first initial tamale venture, Um, but also using a local artist to do the mural on the wall, and having a local potter did the bathroom sink, and local coffee. Just trying to connect people to all the local wonderful things that are happening in Bloomington.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Una didn't make it, right? So it did not go you, quite as planned. Yeah, yeah. So can you can you tell us? Uh, you know what were what were the big challenges that you know caused you to have to close?
6: I think it was several things. Um, People don't like change, and visa was something that people had kind of grown to love over nine years and celebrated things at and was part of kind of their, when they would come back to Indiana to visit family, that was the place they would go to. And so I think that was something that was definitely a, a, an issue, was the change. and. I don't know i'm still trying to wrap my head around why exactly maybe people didn't know that i was still the chef there i think that was part of the issue and we didn't quite have the funds to float the change over the winter the kind of the dynamics that went with the time of year that we reopened Mm -hmm. was a little bit tough for us to be able to float i think if we could have made it maybe a little longer we could have established ourselves in a different way can you talk about the menu at una because
4: it it was so interesting some of the food i quite frankly maybe this makes me look really dumb but had not even heard of yeah some of the thing. um
6: i feel like i'm influenced by a lot of different ethnicities and i'm excited by different flavors from around the world and i try to implement those in what i'm cooking in an approachable way and in a seasonal way and using uh, local ingredients and for me food is really fun and i thought maybe people would be ready to go on that ride with me and try something different and do something different, but it was perceived in a different way than I had intended. Mm-hmm.
0: So what's, yeah. what's next for you on the food scene?
6: Nothing at the moment. <laughs> I'm making plans to move to D.C. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine that was a server at Feast many years ago <laughs> has a floral business and we're kind of gonna collaborate and add a food component to that and see what happens. All right, so you have nothing
0: yeah. to lose. I mean, what what do, what do you think needs to happen in Bloomington uh, to both maintain what we have and even grow the food scene more?
6: For me, the way you do anything is kind of the way you do everything. And for me, supporting something that I believe in and supports the people that I've grown and connected to is important, and I feel like Bloomington needs to remember that we're a community that's progressive and to support the people that are supporting us, and that's the local farmers, and so I think support local.
0: Right, and that was, uh, so are you still doing any farmer's market stuff that, uh, I mean, I'm tamales not, where you No, I
6: in. was at the cellar last night as a guest chef uh-huh. I did something there, and I just had a full moon dinner out at the Goat Conspiracy Farm, which I think is probably going to be my last thing. So, all right, yeah, okay. time for a change. All right.
0: Well, again, thank you very much yeah. for what you've done here in Bloomington, <laughs> and uh, good luck.
6: Thank you. Luck all right.
0: Disney. It's Eric Yokum, the former co-owner of Feast and former owner of Una. So we've uh, hit halftime of our show. So I want to thank the guests from the first uh, half hour, and we're going to have um, three more guests for you in the next part of the show. So this is Noon Edition, and we'll be right
6: back.
1: From the Milton Met studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers South-Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at WFIUNews.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire. Uh, We're coming to you today from live from Social Cantina on the Square in downtown Bloomington. We're talking about local restaurants. And joining us now is Laura Knoll from Crumble Bakery. Laura, thanks for being here.
7: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So some people here may or may not be familiar with Crumble. So where are you located and what kind of food do you have?
7: So we have two locations. One of them is on the kind of southeast side of town. Um, close to College Mall area. And then our newer location is on College Avenue, on 10th and College. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, when we started, um, we really kind of saw a need in that particular corner of town for something that would just be a good community gathering spot. It's in, a, it's in Renwick Village. Um, so there are a lot of neighborhoods back there. And we just thought, well, we would you know, give people a place to come to meet up with their family members or friends and we'll have really good coffee and maybe we'll have some homemade cookies. And then it turned out that the demand kind of um, was for a lot more pastries um, than we imagined at first. So we're about equal parts coffee shop and bakery. Um, We have a fully functioning kitchen staff at our new location now. We have a big kitchen there, which is really nice. And so we do all sorts of pastries. We do everything from chocolate chip cookies, just classic, to um, macarons, Croissants, we make our own croissants. Um, That's something we've been doing for about a year and a half. Um, Quiches, things like that, so we really love it. Mm
4: -hmm. How do you develop a niche as a bakery?
7: Um, It's something that we're kind of still in the process of. I mean, a lot of it is just um, getting to know what our customers are really interested in and fitting that with what we're already passionate about. So it's kind of that balance of listening to our audience and also um, meeting what we're already excited and talented in doing. Um, And so we work to make sure that people love what we're doing and listen to them and talk to them and ask them those questions.
0: (laughs) like like that that erica started uh, crumble is in one of those new kind of neighborhoods yeah. that the city helped uh, sort of pushed for renwick so in terms of um, you know having a local clientele do you get people at different kinds of day that you see every day or is it a, a, a is it a destination that people come to
7: most of our customers are returning customers and so i'd say on any given day about 80 to 90 percent of our customers that come through the door are ones that have been there multiple times in any week. Um, we have people who come every single day, a couple of people who come, I would say two or three times a day, um, who live right there, maybe across the street from us, and come in to get their coffee on their way to class or to work or whatnot. Um, and so it, that's really what we had always wanted. A coffee shop is really a neighborhood thing, and we want it to be a positive impact on that. It seems like there have been so many
4: coffee shops that have opened in Bloomington recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you roast your own coffee? We maybe. don't. You know, no. no.
7: Um, we buy our coffee, roasted coffee from Coryman Coffee, their local business.
4: So you're doing a lot of um, what Erica was talking about and supporting local folks. Yeah,
7: that's right. I mean, a lot of the motivation for us to even open Crumble in the first place was because we really loved the coffee that we were already buying for our own home from Coryman coffee
0: so you decided that you'd open a second location what went yeah. into that that decision
7: um, it was similar to what I was saying about how we decided to open the original location we really saw um, kind of that that side of downtown was really growing with all of those apartment buildings opening up and um that there was a need for more community gathering lo- spots there um and you know business you have to find a need and meet that need if you're going to really succeed and so that's what we wanted to do we also just were given a really wonderful opportunity by the people who were the owners of that building um, to open up there
0: has it worked out the way you uh, had hoped
7: well it's we definitely had to work to meet the needs of that location. Coming from where we were, where we are on the southeast side, um, that's a pretty well-established neighborhood with families who have been living there and so on. And so we had to really learn how to fit into um, more of the population up on College and Tenth. You know, their lease is maybe only a year, and so they're turning over a lot more. So we had to really learn how to. Um, Cater to that and cater to people who are wanting to come in get their coffee and go more instead of coming in and Hanging out with their families.
4: What do you think are some of the challenges that might be unique to a bakery as opposed to a restaurant where it's your destination to come sit down and have a meal.
7: I mean the the easiest one to point to is just to say that people tend to have a lower average um, cost when they're coming in and so we need to get a lot more people coming in the door Because they're maybe only gonna spend a quarter of the amount um, If you know if that as opposed to a restaurant So how many years have you had crumble? We opened in September of 2013 our okay. o- original location and then our new location opened in January of 2017
0: right so what's next?
7: Just expanding what we're doing <laughs> right, <laughs> right now. I think yeah, yeah. okay
0: Good. So for somebody who wants to start a a restaurant or if somebody wanted to start a restaurant or a bakery in Bloomington, do you have any words of advice? I mean, what have you, what did you learn from this experience?
7: I mean, our motivation, I think you have to really question what your motivation is and really be intentional about having a good vision. I mean, our vision has been, you know, evolving as, as we've been growing too, but I think that's really, really, you have to have that if you're going to be opening a, A second location or a first location. um, You have to be passionate about something so that, you know, as others have mentioned on this show already this morning, that um, you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot for it. And if you don't have something that you love doing, you know, serving people who are coming in the door, then you're not going to have the energy to last, I think. It might show. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: It seems certainly with a bakery, I can't imagine,
0: well, I imagine the hours. Yeah. Yeah. What time do you start baking?
7: Um, I usually get there between 5.15 and 5.20 in the morning. We're creatures
4: in the night together. Yeah.
7: (laughs) All right. Well,
0: we're out of time, Laura. So thank you. That's Laura Knoll from Crumble Bakery. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you
7: so much. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right. I might uh, repeat, we've got great restaurant people here today. There's so many in Bloomington. So if they're not here in this room today, uh, please uh, know that, you know, we appreciate them, too. <laughs> we uh, should say also,
4: we talk, we were talking about that feast location, and right. we're doing a story today about how Soma is going in that location next.
0: All right, so now we have Richie Shields from Hinkle's Hamburgers. Richie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So Hinkle's is uh, an old name in Bloomington, and you've just taken over the restaurant. Right? Yeah, we bought,
8: purchased it in March and reopened in May, uh-huh. May
0: 7th. So why did you decide you wanted to open the restaurant?
8: We were family friends with the people that owned it before. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to sell. Approached. We kind of got together, and my wife said, "Let's take a chance." Yeah. And a lot of pressure.
0: Had you had a restaurant before?
1: No, no, no. Oh. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the pre- <gasps> big time pressure. Did you learn anything? A little bit. <laughs> just a few things.
4: So what is it about Hinkles that you have got a devoted following and a huge fan base around Hinkles?
8: It's just a homey feel. I think. I mean, and. I don't I can't explain it you just have to be there and it's really hard to explain we have a everyone we have people that come in all the time and they just love it I mean I, they get treated not always so good you know it's always been that way for years you know the little short lady that worked there 20 years ago you know she would she would call you a wimp or anything and <laughs> why would she but, call you a name but people if didn't, you didn't have a own, hamburger if you didn't have enough onions on your if you didn't have enough onions on your burger it's a order without <laughs> onions you're uh, a whim. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Hinkles is a unique establishment. You know, it's uh, one of those sort of iconic Bloomington spots. So when, when was your first Hinkles hamburger?
8: Oh, it would have been my grandfather took me there in the middle 70s, I think. Okay. You know, I can remember Leon being on the grill. Mm-hmm. Every time I was there, he was always on the grill. Mm-hmm. Middle, same location it is now. And what was your uh, what's your go-to order? It would have to be a double cheeseburger. Yeah, and you have to have a milkshake. There's no question. All right.
3: Yeah.
4: I'm curious. We s- so many of these restaurants are they innovate all the time and changing their menus. What about Hinkles? Mm,
8: nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe that's the key to no. success.
4: People know what they're getting. We
8: added one thing, and that's all. What was that? We added the Chubs Burger. The, the what? what's it called? The Chubbs. The Chubbs? uh uh-huh, the okay. Chubbs Burger. What is the Chubbs Burger? My daughters came up with the name. Uh-huh. there's a little nickname they have for each other. Called, they call each other Chubbs. Okay. And so it's a triple patty with cheese, two onion rings, a barbecue sauce. Okay. Yeah. And I just thought it was good to integrate my kids in that, yeah. to put something they come up with on the menu Yeah. and make them feel a part of it. Right. I mean, it was the most exciting part for them.
0: Yeah. So what's, what's a day like at Henkel's? What time do you start?
8: We open at 10, uh, close at 4. Uh I mean, of course, I'm there before that and after that. Yeah. And you don't know what it's going to be like.
0: What time do you get in? Mm,
8: Anywhere 8.30 to 9. Uh It just depends on how the the morning goes.
0: You just just get ready for the the midday rush. The onslaught.
8: What's your busiest time? I would say between 11.30 to one thirty. Right, so like right, right now, right now? Yes. So, we're giving you a break? Perfect, yes, yes. It's <laughs> a great time. I'm glad you had it right now. Thank you. I'm,
4: I'm curious about the customers who come into Hinkle's. I imagine it's a lot different than some of the, the customers who are coming no, in here to no social. And yes,
8: yes. I'd say most people who come in there don't venture downtown a lot. We'll mm-hmm. say that, yeah. Yeah. It's just different.
0: But you have a – I mean, there's there starting to be a lot more people who live in that area. Well, there is because all
8: the new apartments right. and everything over that way. I mean, when students come, it's maybe one student or it's six students. Uh-huh. So that's what you get with them. Yeah. So and what it, – It's not already made, so we have to make – I mean, it's made to order, you know. So it's – I mean, it takes a little bit longer than a fast food place. Yeah.
0: So it's is it um, a place that you've seen families that have come back year after year after year? Oh, yeah.
8: We get them from – When they come for weekends they come for weekends and say when i was at iu i was here i had to come back you know and then they bring their kids who are at iu now that's a lot of good stories yeah
4: so i'm curious when you you were approached about buying the restaurant and taking it over how much of how much of you just felt obligated to continue this bloomington tradition
8: i don't know obligated more scared than anything yeah because of the pressure of keeping it not changing you know, what I mean, you don't want to change something like that. That's a lot of pressure. I'm usually the positive one in the relationship with my wife, but I was more negative and worried, and she was more positive, mm-hmm. thinking it would be a great thing.
0: Well, you know, we're we're so happy to have you here because it's different from a lot of a lot of restaurants are you know geared to downtown. We've got a big college community. Um, Hinkle's is different. I mean, you're, you have a different kind of audience. You've been here for a long time. Could Hinkle's succeed anywhere? I mean, a lot of restaurants, I think Bloomington is the perfect location for them. Is, no. is Bloomington some place that, you know, Hinkle's is – Hinkle's and Bloomington, are they,
8: are they tied together? I think they're tied together, but I'm, I'm sure there's a Hinkle's. You could probably find a Hinkle's in other little towns. I mean, I've heard of the, the place up north that has the other school. Uh I think it starts with a P or something, but I I think they have something similar to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think
4: a lot of college towns, especially, have that one sort of go-to place that everybody remembers. They do. They do.
8: I think if in the eighties there was two Hinkles, if I remember right, Uh Third and Third and Jordan, Uh and then the location where it's at now. Okay. So, how
0: many hamburgers do you sell in a day?
8: That's a good question. Uh I don't have time to count. You don't? Okay. All right. Um, it, it, It ranges. 150, I mean, we've done as many in the early days when we opened. May 7th, I mean, over 300. Mm
0: -hmm.
8: The the day you opened, Mm -hmm. over 300. people. The the first three weeks was, I mean, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't get in the parking lot.
4: What did you do in your previous life before Hinkle's?
8: I don't even remember. (laughs) We'll put it that way. (laughs) I don't remember having a previous life. Yeah, at this point,
4: you're so in it. How do you take a vacation and everything at this point? That's why I
8: came here. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well,
4: Well, you you just now mentioned that before there were two locations. So, any chance of doing that again?
8: No idea. (laughs) No idea. No idea. Right now, yeah. Yeah. We'll ask my kids when they get a little older.
0: So, what do you like in a in a hamburger? I mean, what's your you know, you, you like, you said what
8: your go-to is, but what makes it great? Just the freshness of it, the ta- the onion taste. Um, and you can, the, the grill's open. You can see everything happening right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Yeah. Okay.
4: So I know there's a, there's a lot of attention towards these things called impossible burgers and all these meatless burgers. Any chance those will ever be on the Hinkle's menu? I'd say
8: not, no. <laughs> 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 it's worth asking <laughs> all right so
0: and you know in the time you know i sort of ask you as a, a joke if you learned anything i mean what's what's one of the big surprises that you've you've found since you uh started back in may
8: um everything i mean everything it's i mean it's just every day is something new mm-hmm. um challenges you know from just having you know we have four employees plus myself, and so that, I mean, that can be a challenge on certain days, uh-huh. you know, if someone's not there, because you have a system, Right. and your system, when it's all together, it runs great, yeah. but if you have one person out of that system, you gotta you got to cover it, right. and it, you just do it, Right. Okay. you just gotta go, yeah. you can't think, you just gotta do it. Just gotta do it,
0: all right, well, Richie, thanks for... Uh, your input today, and thanks for reopening Hinkle's Hamburgers. Bloomington wouldn't be quite the same without it. Thank you, and thanks for your time. All right, that's Richie Shields, <laughs> owner of Hinkle's Hamburgers, which is out on the west side of town. And Bloomington now institution. It is. Sure. Now we're being joined by Mike McAfee, who's the executive director of Visit Bloomington, and we'll broaden this conversation just a little bit. Hey, Mike, how are you doing?
3: Hi, Bob. How are you? It's good. good to see you. Thanks for having me. Sure. So I'm happy to be on. here on National Taco Day. National Taco Day. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I just had two, and they were awesome. Amazing. <laughs> so everybody topic. should come down to the social can- cantina and eat some. So how does uh, how does
0: the restaurant um, culture fit into trying to sell Bloomington? That's your job. Visit Bloomington is. Used to be called the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. Now it's Visit Bloomington. You're trying to attract people here and attract conventions here. How does the uh, you know how does the food culture fit into that?
3: Well, it's pretty easy, really. Everybody has to eat. Okay. All 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 people eat. Travelers eat. The number one thing that they spend money on in Bloomington is food. Thirty four cents out of every dollar that they spend is spent on at a local restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, it's just an easy thing to sell. Uh, just like so many things here, I I do give credit to uh, Indiana University for that culture and and actually the the business activity that uh, 45,000 wonderful screaming college kids create every day. It's a reason we're all here, but they all come back and eat it. It's that creativity and that culture that they create that that just flows over into the community and 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 that's why there's so many restaurants out there. There's 15 food truck 15 local food trucks by the way mm-hmm. having food truck friday right now down at dimension mill uh-huh. but uh you know it's uh it's just a great part of our culture you look at you look at fourth street and and uh you know we've got 80 independent restaurants down here in the downtown bloomington area there are 18 countries represented on fourth street within the different restaurants I, I mean that's just amazing that's part of that I always say Indiana University sets the table for that, which no pun intended here, mm-hmm. talking about food, but it's a big part of it. So. Yeah,
4: uh, we got a question from the audience here. Why can this city not support a fine dining concept, or can it? Probably talking a little bit about Una and restaurant talent too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a, an answer for that? We're we're turning to you.
3: I think. Um, I think one of the issues that we face, and, and we uh, we do it to ourselves, we're, um, you know, we all love living here. It's our home. We love that small town feel that we have, the, the safeness of it, and, and that type of stuff. But we also expect ourselves to um, be able to support what all the other Big Ten towns support. But, you know, we're, we're a are we're a metro marketing area of about less than 150,000, and we try to compare ourselves to Columbus and Madison and Ann Arbor. They've got half a million people living in their area. So, so maybe it's a population-based type of thing. Uh, you know, I, I, myself, I, I do feel we, we do support some fine dining. I think, I think the Uptown Cafe and, and, and some places like that offer, offer some, some great fine dining. So maybe a Midwest culture thing too.
0: Depends on how you define define dining, right? So um, there's a question that came in before the show. What's unique about the restaurants that have been longtime fixtures in Bloomington? What do you think, you know, those that have been here for 20, 30 years, what do you think is unique about them?
3: How about Nick's that's been here since 1927, right? 1927. Um, Again, I think... The local, the local thing that we talked about, that, that has been talked about all day long here, all program long. Uh, people come here and they, and they uh-huh. want to feel like a local. They seek out those, those institutional restaurants and, and they, they want to feel like a Bloomingtonian or a Hoosier. So to me, that's what it is. It makes them feel special. Uh-huh. They want to find that dive bar that everybody goes to, the office over on the east side, those uh-huh. types of places.
4: Yeah. I love this question we just got. Cool. And it's probably going to start a fight who has the best tenderloin? <laughs> it's one of the most controversial things in Indiana I've learned as an outsider.
3: You're asking me that question. Yeah, my yeah, my, yeah, my yeah, opinion yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. It's hard for me to say. I've had a great one at the crazy horse. I had, there's a great one at, at, uh, upland brewing company. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, I would say the state of Indiana has the best tenderloins. That's a great That's
0: answer. That is the diplomatic but answer. Way <laughs> to go. right? Good job, Mike. <laughs> so you know, we go from from Hinkle's Hamburgers. We got tenderloins. Talked about onion rings. Uh, we've talked about uh, different concepts of dining. We've talked about the international dining scene a little bit. We did invite some people from Fourth Street, but you know they they operate on a shoestring too. Sure. And they didn't want to take a vacation like Richie did. So. They decided to, to stay down there. Um, can you sort of, you know, summarize the the dining scene here? Because we do have the, from the traditional to some things that you're not going to find a lot of places.
3: Well, 2,400 people work in the food industry in Bloomington, and it's a big it's a big industry. It employs a lot of people, um, so it's very important. Uh, 340 million dollars will be spent this year on prepared food and beverages and about 140 million of that is by visitors. So it's about 40% of the business is, is tourists and visitors, mom and dad coming to visit the kids at, at IU and that type of stuff. You know, there are over 20 pizza places in Bloomington. Um, we did a promotion um, on Visit Bloomington last year and it's the most popular promotion we ever did. We gave away uh, pizza a pizza a week for, to somebody for a year and it was the 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 most response we ever had so again uh that's just another part of it Mm -hmm. five breweries two wineries two cideries you know now we have a distillery that's doing very well in in cardinal spirits so Mm -hmm. uh just a a a wonderful full gamut of of all types of food that you can find here i've got
0: a couple minutes to go i wanted to ask quickly about the food and beverage tax so how has that affected restaurants in town, to your knowledge? And I know you were fighting hard for it, right?
3: Right. You know, we're fighting hard for that because we know it's gonna grow that, it's gonna grow that business um, for them. But uh, most of the feedback I've had from key restaurant people is, it, is ha- it hasn't even impacted them. Just like the smoking ban years ago, everybody thought it was gonna be detrimental and it hasn't even been. You know, an impact in any way so uh you know we are raising that money to expand that convention center which hopefully is going to help us bring in um, a bunch more visitors during the week sunday through thursday they're going to be out eating in local restaurants every night of the week and that's why we're trying to do it
4: mm-hmm. we got a question emailed to us ahead of the show asking um they were asking about all the openings and closing and if that is unique to bloomington to have that sort of much turnover
3: I don't think so. Yeah, I'm no expert in the, in the restaurant business, but I think I always read the stat that about half of them close. I think half of them fail. So I, I think it's just a common thing. It's, it's, it's a challenge. I think they operate on a 4% profit margin, so it's very, very tough. So it's a, it's a creative business uh, you know, with, with creative food and, and chefs and that type of stuff. So it's just a constant challenge. Very competitive industry here in Bloomington.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. I, you know, we had Ron Stanhouse on earlier talking about Bira. um You know, you see this from sort of the sixty thousand foot view. You know, it's competitive, but you need to have a lot of different restaurants to be able to draw a
3: lot of different people, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So some of them work together sometimes.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I I think the the best supporters of the of the foodie and the culinary industry here in Bloomington are the other foodie and culinary people. I mean, Ron and, and uh you know, people like Jeff Meese with One World are, are out there really um, um, promoting all the other restaurants and and work and they work together very closely and do a good job of that because they know it's important. You know, when, when we all do better, we all do better.
0: Right. right Okay. Well, I think we are out of time. Thanks so I want to thank Mike McAfee, the Executive Director of Visit Bloomington and all the rest of our guests, Ron Stanhouse, Chris Martin, Erica Yoakam, uh, yeah. Laura Knoll and Richie Shields for being here with us today. Thank you, the audience, for coming. I uh, also want to thank our producers, Benta Boutier, Emma Atkinson, and Mark Chilla, for engineer Mike Pashkash, who's behind me, for Sarah Whitmire, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for being here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from The Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports, in print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device.